in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, let's forget about the cocaine in the White House for a second. Where's the cocaine in City Hall or Gracie Mansion? Wow. Eric Adams totally stoned and crazy. I mean, that's one, that's one possible reason why he was so out of his mind at the Christian Cultural Center. He goes by the Christian Cultural Center. Is, what is that? Where is that? Is that in, the Christian Cultural Center? It's one of the places that you go when you're mayor, right? And then for some reason you scream at the people. Cut two. Let me tell you what hard is. Hard is picking cotton. From sun up to sundown, giving birth on the field and going back to pick cotton some more. Wow, yeah, that's very relevant here in New York City. <laughs> uh, let's see here. There's some goodies. Let's go to uh, number six. Eric Adams at the Christian Cultural Center. Is this the kind of speech you expect to hear there? Go ahead. You are watching 81 thousand people coming to this city and not like other cities they're not sleeping on the streets with no help on the federal level you are watching an incompetent person turning a competent place in a city to live in this is what we need to recognize wait is he the incompetent person you're what was that all about man he's crazy he's crazy and very very stupid Cut three. I am the symbol of black manhood in this city, in this country, and what it represents. I'm the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe, and people need to recognize that. Oh, wow, we need to recognize. What the? This guy, to talk about delusions, right? You're a municipal official. You know, if you want to brag to your family and friends, the, the most powerful city on the globe. Well, okay. <laughs> What about public service? Does this sound like public service to you? Does this sound like serving the community? This sounds like somebody who's literally drunk on power. Literally. Oh, here he goes with the 30 years ago. He's the preordained man. You know, get over yourself. We've had mayors before. We'll have mayors again. What is he, the 106th, 109th mayor? We've had a, more than 100 mayors. Can you imagine Abe Beam going to some community center and talking like this? Uh, cut four. Over 30 years ago, hearing that message from God that I was going to be mayor January 1st, 2022. And the most important part of that message was God saying, you are to tell everyone you know. Because I don't want people to think you got there because of who you are, but I want them to know you got there because of who I am. Uh, I don't think that's what comes through when you're talking, when you, when you listen to Eric. Cut three one more time. I am the symbol of black manhood in this city, uh, in this country, and what it represents. I'm the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe. And people need to recognize that. People need to recognize that. Do you recognize that? You need to rec. You need to bow down. Uh, what about all these scandals? You see, the more scandals that come his way, the more he's going to be playing the race card. I am a black man, and uh, right. Uh, eight. I sleep well. I'm consistent. Everyone must follow the rules. Consistent. I um. He's uh. 
He's on something. He's on something. He's very irrelevant, actually, in so many ways. You know, when we were growing up, the mayor of New York City, whether you lived in New York or not, was like a big, big, big deal. Yeah, he's just a he's just a character. He just pops up every now and then. Nobody takes him seriously. Uh, anybody who mouths off like that is not to be taken seriously. Um, so, wow, that was. I mean, I am a little bit surprised, and it's getting to him. It's get. He's starting to crack. I want everybody to keep an eye on him. Hey, have you ever heard of Tommy Tuberville? He's the former coach of Auburn, was it, or Alabama? Big football guy, college football guy. And now he's a United States senator, a Republican from Alabama. And I like him a lot. And he has shut down military promotions until we get this whole thing with abortion straightened out and the Pentagon dabbling in domestic politics, you know, flying troops all over the country, basically incentivizing them to uh, get abortions. Tommy Tuberville thought this might happen after Dobbs, and he called it out. Cut 12, please. Cut 12. Three months ago. I informed Secretary Austin that if he tried to turn the DOD into an abortion travel agency, I would place a hold on all civilian flag and general officer nominees. Secretary Austin's new abortion policy is immoral and arguably illegal. If he wants to change the law, he needs to go through Congress. Good for you, Tommy Tuberville. And they haven't, and they're playing a game. This is um, a bureaucrat from the Pentagon speaking bureaucrat language, but basically doing exactly what Tommy Tuberville was uh, was concerned about, flying troops all over the country to get abortions. Cut 13. Following the Supreme Court's decision, Secretary Austin and other DOD and service leaders received significant feedback from many service members about the complexity and uncertainty they now face in accessing reproductive health care to include abortion services. Within days of the Dobbs decision, the department issued guidance to reassure the force that the department would continue to provide federally authorized health care and would take action to increase access to contraceptive services. Yep, there's that bureaucratic talk. Take action to increase access to contraceptive services. What does that mean? Giving troops three weeks off if they want to have an abortion in another state. And we'll fly you there. We'll buy you a ticket. We'll buy you a hotel room. And it's incentivizing abortion. And it's sick. And for the, you know, what did he say there? Uh, a lot of the troops have come to their leadership with questions about the complexity and uncertainty of access to health care. Well, guess what? Um, being pregnant is uh, complex and uncertain sometimes, right? That's part of life. And you can't iron that out. But you're pretending you care about the troops. No, you're just playing a, a horrible, sick political game. Uh, so Tommy Tuberville has said, no more promotions for the military until I find out what the hell's going on. And we eliminate this uh, flying troops all over the place to get abortions. Good for him. And now the the fake news and uh, a lot of liberals are running around. Oh, my gosh. How can we not promote generals? I mean, <laughs> there's no commandant of the Marine Corps. For the first time since 1910, there's no commandant of the Marine Corps. All right. For a million dollars, can any of you name the commandant of the Marine Corps, the last commandant of the Marine Corps, right? Or Any commandant ever. Can you? No. No liberal certainly can. <laughs> you could talk to a million of these people. They would never, ever, ever know the name of the Commandant of the Marine Corps. You go to social media right now, they're all crying that the next Commandant of the Marine Corps has not been confirmed by the United States Senate and the Commandant retired. There's no Commandant at the top of the Marine Corps. 
Um, I was in the Marine Corps. I know who the commandant is. I can tell you what, uh, the last commandant sucked. He gave away all the tanks. All right. There's a huge controversy around these guys within the military or the, at least the Marine Corps. It doesn't matter if we have no commandant for a little while. It really doesn't matter. But they're wetting their pants on purpose, uh, uh, you know, trying to freak everybody out. It's no big deal. And I really appreciate what Tommy Tuberville is doing. This guy was great. You know, and not only is he concerned about the abortion issue, but just how crazy woke everything has gotten in the military. And this is a Navy lieutenant you're about to hear from who was on an aircraft carrier. You know what they have on aircraft carriers now? All kinds of crazy shenanigans, including uh, LGBTQ spoken word night. And here's a uh, Lieutenant Knudsen. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Non-binary. They call themselves non-binary. Talking about how great it was to go to uh, LGBTQ spoken word night on the aircraft carrier. Mind you, this individual is in uniform. Cut 14. I was able to deploy on the USS Gerald R. Ford last fall. And the coolest thing I did on board was to be able to participate in a LGBTQ spoken word night. And I was able to read a poem that I wrote to the whole ship. And that was probably the culmination of the whole deployment. Wow. (laughs) A poem to the whole ship about something... uh about your sexuality, about your gender. Uh, the Navy really has changed. The world has changed. But they're still right and wrong, and that is wrong. And this is still a democracy. We elect people, and it's fantastic. Tommy Tuberville, this is, yeah, Tommy Tuberville. Tommy, you never heard of Tommy Tuberville, right? Tommy Tuberville is a great guy, my new hero. And here he is giving it to uh, the head sailor, a guy named Gilday. Admiral Gilday, you know, he's the chief of naval operations. And right now what the military needs, it needs a complete overhaul. I'm talking about mentally. All right, there are too many suck-ups and yes-men in the military. So this guy is the very pinnacle of the Navy. All right, and he's the top. And that crap you just heard about LGBT spoken word night? Well, Tommy Tuberville asks the top admiral, Admiral Gilday is his name, about all this nonsense. Listen to what he says. First, Tommy Tuberville, cut 15. I have a lot of problems with this video. This non-binary officer said the highlight of a deployment on the USS Gerald Ford was reading a poem to the entire ship. Admiral Gilday, have you seen this video? I have. I hope we train our officers to prioritize their sailors, not themselves. Did it surprise you that a junior officer says the highlight of her deployment, her first and the ship's first, was about herself and her own achievement. Oh, wait, you don't have what the admiral said? Well, the admiral went on and said, oh, yeah, no, this is a really good uh, sailor, and this is a really good moment, and this, that, and the other thing. Just saying that this was uh, was a major, beautiful event. And it's crazy. It's against everything the military is about. You know, you do kind of sacrifice self a little bit. You can't. You can't be your full, fabulous self in the military. It'll get in the way. There are a lot of things I had to leave, you know, back here in New York when I joined the military. You know, I couldn't play with model railroad train sets, which I kind of like to do. I couldn't bring those train sets with me onto the aircraft carrier. It went on for six months. I couldn't bring that stuff. What else did I like to do? I I did plenty of stuff that I could not bring uh, onto the aircraft carrier. Hey, quite frankly, I like girls. 
I couldn't do that on the aircraft carrier. I couldn't tell everybody how much I liked them and how much I enjoyed being a man on uh, on straight guy spoken word night. It's ludicrous. And good for Tommy. Tommy Tuberville, coach, cut 16. The problem that I'm having is the obsession with race, gender, sex. It's focused on self. It's not focused on team. And if we don't start building team, we have no chance to win individually in this country. We have no chance. He's right. We're going to get rolled in the next war. We are going to get rolled if we don't have an immediate correction. This is insanity. And, you know, I, I, I see some people giving him a hard time. Well, he was never in the military. It doesn't work that way. All right. This is civilian controlled. They work for us. People, they work for us. And we have elected leaders. Those folks, that admiral who's uh, unelected and he's appointed and he wants to keep that job and he wants to keep the perks and he wants to get a big fat paycheck from Raytheon Corporation someday, the arms dealer. So I'll play that game. But the people... The people are speaking through uh, through Coach Tommy, and um, uh, thank God he did. This is not over. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. What year is it? Twenty twenty three. It's uh, fifty four years ago we went to the moon. Fifty four years ago uh, this week, actually, we blasted off for the moon, Apollo eleven, and uh, we haven't been back since nineteen seventy two. We went there, what, six times or so from 1969 to 1972. We have not been back since. I hope, hope we go next year. There is uh, tentatively a uh, plan to send a rocket at least with people on it around the moon. We'll not land, but we'll go around the moon. That'll be the first time we have astronauts that far in space since, yeah, 1972. Hey, one of the astronauts who's going to probably go to the moon someday is from Baldwin. Uh, her name is Jasmine Mogbelli, went to Baldwin High School and MIT, became a Marine pilot. And uh, she's one of the very few astronauts in the running to be the uh, the next person to walk on the moon. Wouldn't that be great? Every time I look at the moon, I really think about it. And we have all that stuff up there from 50-something years ago, and we haven't been back. We should have built a moon base alpha or something like that, like in space 1999, uh, all kinds of stuff we can get up there, like uh, helium. There's helium trapped in the rocks. Yeah, helium, like that floats balloons. Anyway, there's a special type of helium and a special type of nitrogen. And if we got that stuff, we could use it as fuel to launch a rocket all the way to Mars. And they could do it far more efficiently, apparently, uh, from the moon than we can, say, from Florida. A guy explained this to me. His name is Jack Schmidt. He actually walked on the moon. If Jack Schmidt walked in the room right now, and he's still around, uh, nobody would know who he is or, you know, what's okay. Hello, sir. Nice, distinguished looking man, but uh, nothing special. You would think not only did he walk on the moon in December of 1972, but when he got back, he was uh, he was only in his early 30s. Less than four years later, he's elected to the United States Senate. Jack Schmidt, Republican from New Mexico. Everybody thinks that, oh, that's John Glenn. No, Jack Schmidt was the first uh astronaut elected to a really big office and unfortunately <clears throat> they beat him for a re-election a democrat took him out and you know what the campaign slogan was what on earth has he done for you lately <laughs> they used that great magnificent uh, achievement of uh, a million lifetimes and they used it against what on earth has he done for you lately sure he walked on the moon but uh you know did he <laughs> did he get that garbage 
plant facility move to the next town over? No, no, I did that. Vote for me. So, uh, but Jack Schmidt, great guy. And he, he explained that he wrote a whole book about that. We got to get back to the moon to get the helium. So, um, you can do a lot more with helium than just, uh, blow up balloons, apparently. Um, hey, you want to hear something else that's, um, that sh- should not be uttered by anybody in the military, let alone a senior officer? This is, no, technically he's not an officer, the senior enlisted man in the, in the army, the sergeant major of the army. His name is Grinston. All right. Listen to this. Uh, so he's, I was, I know who this guy is, and I've been giving him a hard time for a couple of years now because he's always breaking out this weird woke stuff. And quite frankly, he looks like a white person. I never really gave his race any consideration. I, whatever, but he tells a story here. Cut 17. In our army, we have to trust and understand one another. We have to be willing to tell our stories. Here's part of my story. I was born in 1968 my father was black my mother was white doesn't he sound like uh steve martin a little bit remember i was born a poor black child remember that what movie was that the jerk I th- yeah <laughs> i was born uh we have to be able to tell our stories you do that at boot camp and then nobody else cares okay boot camp once remember uh, name's francis but any of you uh, guys call me Francis, and I'll kill you. Call me Psycho. Remember him? Lighten up, Francis. Well, lighten up, uh, Grinny. Lighten up, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cut 18, please. When I was three, they divorced, and I moved to Alabama. Racial identity is something that I struggle with my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, okay. Everybody has their, their thing. And Grinston made a federal case out of it, put a video out for every soldier to see, all 1.2 million of them. Thanks for nothing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, I was so glad I don't live in um, Los Angeles. What a terrible town. Uh, and it's all about one industry, the movies. If you're not in the movies, if you don't work at Netflix, uh, you're you're nobody. Uh, you're, that's what they uh, make you feel like. Uh, what else? The traffic there, as bad as the traffic is here, It's uh, I've never seen anything like it. I mean... A half hour trip could take four hours. You just, uh, you gotta pack a lunch and, uh, make sure the gas tank is full and, um, and, and you'll see what happens. Hey, remember when they were giving, um, Donald Trump will continue hard time about all those classified documents and, uh, a lot of them weren't classified, but here's Joe Biden saying something classified on international television. Wouldn't you think that the ammunition levels during a war, whether they're high or low, that's something, obviously, you don't want the enemy to know, right? You don't want them to know anything about your ammunition. You don't want them to know whether, you don't want them to know you're running out of ammo, do you? Well, Joe Biden said it out loud on CNN. Cut one. We're in a situation where 
Ukraine continues to be brutally attacked across the board by munitions, by these cluster munitions that are have dud rates that are very, very low, I mean very high, that are dangerous to civilians, number one. Number two, uh, the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition. Uh, the ammunition that they, they call them 155 millimeter weapons. This is a this is a war relating to munitions, and uh, the running out of those that ammunition, and we're low on it. And so what I finally did took the recommendation of the Defense Department to not permanently, but to allow for in this transition period where we get more 155 weapons, these shells for. Ukrainians to provide them with a something that has a very low dud rate. Okay, so not only are the Ukrainians low on the one five five Mike Mike millimeter shells, these big bombs, artillery shells, so are we. Now that's classified information right there. Keep your mouth shut, Joe. Every time, every time he does something stupid. Every time. And gosh, is he a liar? Is he a liar or what? And, hey, and the Biden should just you know what they really should have done? They should have become librarians or something like that. Unfortunately, they all think they're, uh, you know, moguls or something like that. And when you're in Delaware and your brother is the senator, you're not going to get a regular job. You're going to try to do something stupid. I got this article. It's, it's, it's an old article. It's from 1977. But you got to remember, at this point, uh, Joe Biden is a sitting United States senator. And his brother, James, is running all over town getting into crazy debt. <laughs> And the banks keep giving him money because he's a uh, because he's a Biden. Listen to this. James Biden, younger brother of Senator Joseph Biden, is quitting the nightclub business after running up more than seven hundred thousand dollars in debts at the Seasons Change nightclub in less than four years. Way to go, Jim. Biden and a minority shareholder have surrendered all Seasons Change common stock to a designee of the club's principal creditor. First Pennsylvania Bank of Philadelphia, according to record records of the Delaware Alcoholic Beverage Control Commission. Biden has not been running the business for weeks, but the formal stock transfer cannot take place until blah, 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 blah. Um, it was the near collapse. Oh, gosh. This just gets so complicated with these weirdos. Man, it's stock in a nightclub transferring it. I mean, <laughs> if he could just if they could just get and hold regular jobs, that's what they should do. Um Let's see here. Oh, there's this. Senator Biden was never involved in the club or its financial dealings, but once made a telephone call to who? Who do you guess who? Who? The head of the bank. Some guy named Danforth. And he called on his brother's behalf. As both Joe Biden and Danforth later recalled the conversation, Biden asked no special favors, but complained that his name was being dragged into the matter by bank officers who were looking for James Biden to repay the loans in 1975. You think that just there might have been a a hint of coercion there, though, right? A U.S. senator calls the head of a bank. U.S. senator, especially in 1977, could cause all kinds of havoc in uh, in somebody's life. Um, uh, farmers, farmers, farmers. Yeah, these guys, they should just, they sh- should have gotten regular jobs. And oh, by the way, if they save, say, 10% of their salary in these regular jobs, they'd probably be, they'd be doing very well by now. Instead, it looks like there is one get rich quick scheme after the next, and it didn't matter who was offering it, the Romanians, the Ukrainians, the Chinese, and now they're in a heap of trouble. 
and you can kind of tell it's shifting. I hate to do this, but you know, it should be very forthright, very candid. You got a guy who's president of the United States, you know, every, everything's fair game. Not really. Not in America these days. You got to look at the tea leaves. In the old days, we had something called um, Pravda, right? The Russian newspaper Pravda. And they never told you the told truth. But if you squinted, you could kind of pick up on a couple of things. And that's the way it is in America now. For most people who consume um, uh, dominant corporate media, they... They don't, they're not, they don't even know they're not getting the whole story. For instance, there are people running around shocked that Joe Biden has a seventh grandchild. I never knew this. We've been talking about it on this show for two years that that Navy Blue, Navy Blue is her name. Interesting name, by the way, for a little kid was running around unacknowledged by Hunter, unacknowledged by uh, Joe Biden, even though a paternity test proved conclusively that the kid was, um, was a Biden, was Biden blood. Hey, did you see this thing? Um, Brown University, which is a fairly prestigious university. At least it used to be. All these schools are terrible. My father went to Brown to speak once, and um, it was the beginning of um, Black Lives Matter, and a bunch of ignorant people who don't even live in New York got up and booed and, and yelled and screamed and protested. I should play you that in a little bit. It's kind of fun. It's kind of It was fun for him, I think, actually. Um but 40% of Brown University right now, the student body, is identifying as LGBTQ plus IA. 40%. 40%. Well, a couple of things. That's damn near close to 50%. Um, do you believe that? I actually believe that. I don't believe it's natural. I believe it's social. I believe there's something called social contagion. And somebody's doing something that is uh, currently for the moment, artificially elevated, has status, and people want status. And a real easy shortcut to status is LGBTQIA. Claim that. And legally, you are protected. There are legal benefits that come with uh, being LGBTQ+. Plus. plus. What is the plus? Nobody knows. Uh, you get um, yeah, the media is nice to you. Banks are nicer to you. Um HR executives, perhaps. I mean, especially in New York State, I think you are technically speaking a protected class. Now, the other thing why this is being encouraged, LGBTQ+. And oh, by the way, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. But the way they're pushing it and the way they seem to be encouraging children to question their sexuality, question their gender, and maybe become something else, that's where we have a huge problem. I'm not pushing my sexuality, right? I'm not promoting it. That's up to me. That's my business, not yours, nobody else's. So I don't make it anybody else's business. But um, for one for one reason or another, the LGBTQ plus plus, they do that. Now, why is that? Well, part of it has to do, I think, believe it or not, with climate change. Yeah, climate change. Because if you look at their literature, if you look at their propaganda, um, one of the things they push are it's population reduction. We have too many people, too many people sucking up resources, too many people eating, uh, consuming, buying things, using things, throwing things away, breathing. Uh, they don't like any of that. They literally think it's better that you not be born. And therefore the planet, they say, will be, uh, will be safer, will be better. And that the planet is not built to sustain so many people, I think God actually took everything into consideration and he's got it all figured out. 
<laughs> I really do. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust in him. I think he's got it all figured out. But uh, that's one of the reasons why. Because LGBTQ plus plus plus. Well, I mean, nobody ever talks about this, but it is basically not particularly conducive to child production, right? Right? I mean, what's her name? Fran Lebowitz used to joke, and she happens to be a lesbian, very talented writer as well. She was like, you know, in the old days, the cool part about being gay was you didn't have to join the military and you didn't have to get married. (laughs) Now you have to do both, or you can do both anyway. It was used to be the big benefit, now it's not, and she's kidding, but what does that make sense? I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, oh, yeah, they're really giving Tommy Tuberville a hard time here because of something he said on MSNBC, well, it was CNN last night. He should have come on my show, actually. He should have come on my show. Everything would have been fine. He had played a word. That, what's her name? Um, uh, Caitlin Collins. Caitlin, that's why I asked you the question, Collins, who, quite frankly, looks like a robot. Or what do they call female robots? Fembots, right? And she's trying to trap him and have an absurd kind of word game conversation. But before they get there, uh, Tommy's making all kinds of great points. Coach, are we ready? All right, let's go. The reason it's in place is that people who are stationed in certain places, if they want to get an abortion, and they happen to be in a state that doesn't offer it because of the new laws that have gone in place since Roe versus Wade were overturned, would have to travel to another state. You're claiming that abortions are going to skyrocket because... The Pentagon is paying for people to take off work and have to go out of state to get them. Caitlin, abortion, for three exceptions, is going to abortion at any time. Also, their dependence. I mean, you're adding a lot of people into this. You're adding a lot of time frame into that during during the pregnancy. That's what I'm talking about. There there is no set uh, rules on this. It's just, hey, if you want to have one, have it. We'll pay for your flight anywhere to a state that can do it. Uh, we're going to give you three weeks off paid. That doesn't come out of your time off as, 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 uh, as a service member. Uh, there's a lot added to this, and it's going to be charged to the taxpayer. Okay, but they're not paying for the abortion itself, no. the procedure itself. But you did mention military readiness there, and I'm glad you did, because seven former U.S. defense secretaries, including two who served under former President Trump, James Mattis and Mark Esper, disagree with you, and they signed a letter to Senate leaders saying that your actions are harming military readiness, that this risks damaging U.S. national security, and it risks turning military officers into political pawns. And they specifically say that there are some pretty important positions that you were holding up, including the 5th Fleet in Bahrain and the 7th Fleet in the Pacific, which are critical to checking Iranian and Chinese aggression. Are you saying that you know better than those seven former defense secretaries? Well, first of all, those secretary of defenses were nominees. They weren't elected. I was elected to represent the people of Alabama in this country. Uh, number two, if they want to confirm a, a general or admiral, we can do it tomorrow. Okay? I'm not stopping all of them. I am so excited about my new... Oh, that must have been an ad in the commercial. First of all, good for him. I love this guy. You cast you know, they, they, they pull this trick all the time. With uh, the, the letter, you know, and seven secretaries of defense have said such and such. Number one, they're all political animals and they are. But he was the, the, the essence of it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're appointees, a president. All right. They're not democratically elected. And I just love what he's doing here. And I support him all the way. And not enough people are, are brave enough to stand up to this. What do we call it? The military industrial complex. That's what he's doing here. Now, pretty soon she's going to try to trap him, and uh, there's been a whole big explosion about what happened. Keep going. 
they want out there. Uh, uh, General Brown, who's going to be the new uh, uh, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, he'll go through by himself. He's going to go through confirmation tomorrow, and we will vote on him by himself. Uh, he will not be held up. And so this is just throwing 100 or 200 in there and doing it at one time when I'm just saying, hey, this gives me the right because I'm a senator. I can hold any confirmation I want until we get some kind of confirmation of why you're doing this. Get conversation. Let's talk. I've heard zero from the White House and zero the last five months other than 10 minutes from uh, Secretary Austin in February. But you've said you're not going to drop your objection here. I mean, what if a, President Biden called you, that wouldn't change your policy. Is that Are you saying it would? Well, that's another thing. Uh, we need leadership, leadership in the White House. If I'd have been the president, I'd already called me to the White House and said, Coach, what are you doing? This is why we need to get this done. How do we work it out? we got to come to some compromise. This is really okay. true, by the way. It's a great point. Bi- Biden should roll up his sleeves and get involved in all this stuff. He doesn't because he can't. All right. He literally does not have the ability. He they don't trust him on the phone. He'll yell. He'll scream. He can't do anything. You need a mechanic. You need somebody who gets in the weeds. You need that. And that's what Trump did, by the way. Uh, big time. Big time. He wasn't afraid to. Uh, you, can, you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid. Somebody said once, if um, if you're afraid to look bad, you'll never get anything done. And that's kind of like Obama. He only wanted to look cool. And uh, he's got the resume and the record of accomplishment to show it. Not that much, actually. I know he became president, but he never broke a sweat. And history, history will have his number. I'll be back. Greg Kelly. Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So you just heard the substance of what was going on. The real point of that interview um, was to talk about abortion in the military facilitating uh, wrongly uh, abortions for uh, soldiers and Marines, flying them all over the country to get abortions. It's in violation of the law. It's, they're, they're totally politicized. They shouldn't be doing that. And uh, Tommy Tuberville is calling it out, and he wants answers, and he's holding up <laughs> some promotions for general officers. It's no big deal. It's totally controlled. The left, they could care less, and they don't even know who the hell's running the military anyway. Um, so you heard what was going on there, and he had a very kind of reasonable position, I thought. But it's the fake news, and they want to trap, 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 trap. Now, just remember this. When Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, and... Um, uh, the president came in in January 2021. Remember how they were going after extremists in the military? Well, extremists in the military was code for MAGA. Okay. Make America great again. Um, there was real concern about banning constitutionally protected free speech. You know, you're allowed to support Trump on social media, but they try to conflate that and confuse that. All right. They try to basically when you think MAGA, think white supremacy. Remember, white supremacy. So that's the objective of this of this interviewer playing a game. This is Tommy Tuberville's from the real world. All right. He's not from the beltway. He's not consumed with this stuff. Uh, now, listen to what happens. Go ahead. Conservatives, Democrats, whoever wants to be in the, uh, the, the military to fight for this country, to protect this country. That's what it's all about. But just to be clear, you agree that white nationalists should not be serving in the U.S. military. Is that what you're saying? If if people think that a white nationalist is a racist, 
I agree with that. I agree. They a white nationalist be. is someone who believes that. Can you stop the for a second? Superior to. I cannot give you the technical definition of a white nationalist. It doesn't sound good. And the very first thing he says is, if a white nationalist is a racist, that's bad. That's that's totally bad. And I, I I reject that. So he said that right up front. But hey, they want to cat. They <laughs> they want to keep pressing it, pressing it, pressing it. So uh, here they go. That the white race is superior to other races. Well, that, that's some people's opinion, uh, and I don't think. That's I mean, a lot. Uh, pardon. What's your opinion? My opinion of a white nationalist, if somebody wants to call him white nationalist, to me is an American. It's an American. Now, if that white nationalist is a racist, I'm totally against anything that they want to do because I am 110% against racism. But I want somebody that's in our military, that's strong, that believes in this country, that's an American, that will fight along anybody, whether it's a man or woman, black or white, red, it doesn't make any difference uh, and and so I'm a, totally against identity politics. I think it's ruining this country, and I think that Democrats ought to be ashamed for how they're doing this because it's dividing this country and it's making this country weaker every day. But that that's not identity politics. Can you stop for a second? A Can you do you hear anything wrong with what he said? Right, right. I mean, guy totally condemns racism. This is the game they played with Trump, right? Remember, you know, will you condemn white supremacy? <laughs> Do it. Proud boy. Right. Remember that? This is the same game. And this is a gotcha. This is gotcha. Maybe, maybe whatever happened to a journalist who wants to learn something, right? Caitlin Collins with her stupid brown hair just sitting there, right? Sitting there all smug. I mean, wow. Why run for office when you can just do your makeup and become a, uh, a person at CNN? Just, just be a person at CNN and uh, you know everything. Everything. Keep going weaker every day but that that's not identity politics you said a white nationalist is an american it is identity politics you said a white nationalist is an american but a white nationalist is someone who who believes horrific things you don't do you really think that's someone who should be serving in the military well that's just a name that has been given i mean it's not let, it's listen, a real it's a real definition there's real concerns so if about you're going to do away with most white people in this country out of the military we got huge problems it's not we it's got not, huge problems it's not people who are white it's white nationalists that have a few probably different beliefs. Right? That have that have different beliefs. Now, if racism is one of those beliefs, I'm totally against it. I am totally against. There racism. he is again. All right, that, that here, here's the thing. Stop. Normal that. people don't talk about white nationalism. Okay, that's why he's like vaguely white. He really doesn't know what what's being discussed here. He's condemned it 15 times. I want nothing to do with racism. Uh, and what I think he's going back to is when they tried to pretend that MAGA. And you'll hear it right now. I mean, people on The View sit there and say MAGA is white supremacy. It's not. So Tommy Tuberville is now trending. <laughs> it's trending all over the place. Schumer is lighting him up on the floor of the United States Senate. Yikes. What did that guy say? Lighten up, Francis. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh boy, the tick, the countdown clock is on. They're calling for his resignation. They want him tossed out of the Senate. Tommy Tuberville. I just watched the comments again. <laughs> How many people have been? He's going down for alleged racism, and he says. How he hates racism. He says it four times. He says it four times in, 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 in 90 seconds. I'm against racism. I love everybody. And they're still trying to say somehow because they don't. 
what is night white nationalism? It doesn't sound good, but really, what is it? Is it taught in schools? No, it shouldn't be taught in schools. Is it something? It sounds bad to me. Um, but you know, MAGA, they tried to say MAGA is white supremacy and it's not. Okay. Uh, who knows who at one point he said, I think he was, they misinterpreted what the hell he meant by opinion. Do we want to hear the very first part again? Is this thing blowing up? It is blowing up. It is blowing up. All right. So let's do it one more time. But before that, our Senator Chuck Schumer has something to say. Hmm? Um, was it, you know, the plan to uh, take out Kavanaugh did not work. Remember when he wanted to blow up Kavanaugh's house? <laughs> you will reap the world whirlwind and you will pay the price. He threatened to kill a Supreme Court justice or do him severe bodily harm. And now he's really bothered by Senator Tuberville's words, which, oh, by the way, he said he despises racism six times in 90 seconds. All right. Who were the who were some of the great senators we had here in New York? Uh, Jacob Javits, Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Hey, Al D'Amato. And now this guy. Terrible. Terrible. Let's go. Possible. <clears throat> now. On white nationalism. For the past few months, the senior senator from Alabama has embarked on a one-man mission to excuse and even defend the meaning of white nationalism. Huh? He did it back in May when he bemoaned efforts in our military to root out dangerous white nationalism from our ranks. All right, stop for a second, because what happened was you guys were conflating something that was horrible with something that is beautiful. All right? MAGA. Make America great again and pretend you were chasing ghosts and you are making them undergo this ludicrous training and awareness stuff, which is probably illegal. Some of the stuff you've been putting them through. Granted, some woke people in the military were were jumping on board like Sergeant Major Grinston, old man Grinny, as I like to call him. Uh, he gets up there before the entire United States Army. Nobody cares. You know what? <laughs> you know, nobody. That was the beautiful thing about military service. We were kind of isolated, cut off from all the nonsense that uh, people were kind of dealing with on the outside. Cut 19, please. Yes. Coming to grips with both sides of my identity. At one point, I decided I would put black on the form. And at that time, I only had two choices. So I handed the form that I was given to the lady, and she said, that's not funny. I said, what are you talking about? She said, you shouldn't mark that. I said, well, I explained to her I was black and white, and I didn't have too many choices for anything else on that form. Hmm. All right. Anything else happen? Just lame stories that don't really. But what it does is it enhances his power. All right. People in power telling woke stories, not to inspire, not to uh, take care of or uh, mentorship. No, just to enhance their own power. Go back to Chuck, uh, Chucky, please. I call them Americans. Those were his words, his words. A week later, he was asked to clarify his comments. And here's how he replied. What is a white nationalist? You'd think he'd learn from the overwhelming negative reaction he's received from one end of the country to the other. 
that he would learn from his learn from that reaction. You know, he's talking about a colleague. Oh, by the way, Senator Schumer. It's only a hundred people. It's a small enough group where if you're really offended by something that someone said, or if they're really wrong, if they need some correction, what about just reaching out? Hey, hey, Senator, what do you say we go down to the cafeteria and have a cup of coffee? Do they ever do that stuff? No, they run to the Senate floor and make a speech about stuff because that's the whole name of the game. And this thing, he puts this out, and he, they raise money off of this nonsense. They raise money off of it. Keep going. And might maybe modify his comments, but no. Last night, given another chance to clear the air, he suggested that no, white nationalists aren't inherently racist, that yes, white nationalism is American, and that the definition of white nationalism is a matter of opinion. It's hard to believe that the senator from Alabama has to be corrected again. All right. He said out loud he hates racism. He hates it. He hates it. Now, white nationalism is not something we grew up on. All right. It's just not. <laughs> you had to watch old documentaries to find out anything about it. I, it's or you have to watch uh, the Blues Brothers. Anybody remember that scene from the Blues Brothers <clears throat> where the Illinois Nazi Party has a big rally and it really annoys Jake and Elwood? Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. And they hit the gas and they run them all off the road. That's how America basically views Nazis, okay? They're stupid. They're clueless. We don't like them. And given the chance, we chuck them into the river. But, you know, you can't break the law. Jake and Elwood, <laughs> they broke the law a lot in that movie. But then again, they were on a mission from God. Do you remember that? Rick in Elmwood Park, hello. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, they definitely got the marching orders over at The View because they were saying, right? they played that clip, and right after he said he was against you know, racism, uh, Joy Behar called him a racist, and then she said the reason was he supported Trump when he wanted to know about Obama's birth certificate. They called it Trump birtherism. And then she also said that, um, what the hell was this thing? Oh, Christ, I forgot now because I've been sitting on hold so long. You have to watch the clip. <laughs> Wait a second. She said, uh, "She what were the two things? She, well, the, we. I think we got it right here. Do we have it right here? Let's hear it. Let, I don't think we've heard it yet. Let's go. I'm not excusing him at all, but when you watch the whole interview, he literally seems confused or ignorant to the term because he keeps thinking that uh, because white is in there, it must be identity politics. Then there's the word nationalist, which is okay by itself. Then you add white to the front of it, and it becomes very problematic. He could not distinguish. He kept thinking national nationalist meant patriotic. All right. But what that, were his terms? After Joy Behar said something. All right. Anyway, Rick, it's all stupid. I mean, he said he hates racism. And if they believe in racism, I am to I totally object to that. This is like the Charlottesville thing all over again for Donald Trump. Remember that? He said there were there were good people on both sides, right? And what he meant by that was, and he said it out loud. He said he condemns white supremacy and the skinheads totally. But you can be a good person in this country and believe that Civil War statues should be maintained. You can also be a good person in this country and think Civil War statues are offensive and should be removed. I happen to agree, disagree with that, but you can have that debate. In fact, that debate has been happening in this country. <laughs> when did Pat Buchanan run for president? When was that? 1996, 2000? 92 even, uh, he ran a couple of times. 
This is a big issue. It's been around for a long time. South Carolina had a Confederate flag on it until about uh, like six years ago. And uh, one of the reasons why Buchanan caught on, I mean, the whole damn state, they had that there. Anyway, Rick, thank you. Um, how about that, Eric Adams? How about that, Eric Adams? I like getting a lot of... Uh, a lot of interest. People are actually wondering if he's on drugs here. Cut three, please. Cut three. I am the symbol of black manhood in this city, in this country, and what it represents. I'm the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe, and people need to recognize that. People need to recognize that. What else? What do you want? You want us bowing at our feet? He's the mayor. He's not the emperor. It's so wild. He must be on drugs. He must be on drugs. Now, uh, let's see. It gets even uh, more foolish. Cut six, please. Cut six. You are watching 81,000 people come into this city, and not like other cities, they're not sleeping on the streets with no help on the federal level. You are watching an incompetent person turning a competent place in a city to live in. This is what we need to recognize. What do we need to recognize? That that was gibberish. It was gibberish. 85. What? You, we thought we boiled it down to this. You are watching an incompetent man turn a competent city into a place to live. Let's listen to it one more time. You are watching 81,000 people come into this city and not like other cities. They're not sleeping on the streets with no help on the federal level. You are watching an incompetent person turning a competent place in a city to live in. This is what we need to recognize. This is what we need to recognize. Uh, James Slippin, you've been monitoring this. What the hell is he talking about? Well, I mean, look, it's been pretty interesting over the last few months. The willingness with which Adams invokes, um, you know, religious imagery with some of these comments that he's making, uh, the way that he is responding to criticism very often sort of, you know, roots back to some sort of divine influence that he feels he has in his role as mayor. And, um, you know, these comments that you're playing, the, the you know, really pointing criticism of people who hold him accountable, I guess, it was at the Christian Cultural Center. Um, so he does seem to have some sort of level of comfort, maybe, within these religious settings, pushing back against criticism. Wait a second. Religious set. I saw him do it in some gymnasium, some school gym. That's when he said about the plantation. Remember? That's where he said the lady, don't talk to me like uh, you're a sl- I'm, a, I'm a slave and you're a slave owner That's and we're true. on the plantation. That was a gym. He takes his attitude with him wherever he goes. And this whole stuff about the cotton and picking the cotton... Cut two. Cause let me tell you what hard is. Hard is picking cotton from sun up to sundown, giving birth on the field, and going back to pick cotton some more. <laughs> the guy was born in Brooklyn. <laughs> they don't they don't pick cotton there, right? No, no they don't. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, the reason I mentioned the religious aspect of it, it was back in March when he first started talking about the separation of church and state not necessarily being something he was really into, right? Like he kind of started talking about he's not a fan of separation of church and state. That was in March. And then in in June in fa- on Father's Day, which was also in a, a sermon that he was delivering, he started talking a little bit of what you're talking about, that the concept of being mayor of New York City is not that hard. 
He said, people say it's the second hardest job in America. I want to know when's the hard part. You know, you're, 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 I think you're assigning this guy rationale and, and, and strategy. And, and there's, I think he, I think he's just erratic. I think he's on, he may be on drugs. We, we know he likes to party all night long, right? He goes out, he does, the, yeah. and you know, he seems to be totally swept away and has no concept that this is about service. That job is about service, public service, serving the public and, I mean, does this does this sound like service to you? I got to do this. Cut three. I am the symbol of black manhood in this city, in this country, and what it represents. I'm the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe, and people need to recognize that. I think we need to recognize that there has to be an intervention. <laughs> okay, I think we uh, we got to call Bellevue. We got to make some arrangements for this guy to check himself in, or we'll check him in. I mean, this is crazy talk. But you mentioned the event uptown where he was, you know, talking to a gymnasium about rent increases, and the woman pushed back against him and yeah. had criticism. It it just seems as though there's there's an increasing willingness from him to sort of say this is about respect, right? You have to respect the position of the New York City mayor. Do you think there's any Anything you've observed that suggests that's true, that he's not being respected? He's not being respected. It goes with the job, okay? (laughs) Try being Mayor Koch when he went to Shea Stadium in his first term. Boo! All right? That goes with the job. That's what you signed up for, okay? There's heckling. There's hooting. There's hollering. This is New York, all right? This isn't uh, some small town in uh, Illinois. This is the city, the big city. Uh, Are you ready or not? Clearly, he's not ready. Remember, folks... This is a guy who threatened violence. He said, I'm going to kick cracker ass when I get there, right? Kick cracker ass. Not only was he threatening violence, it was racist, inherently racist. Now they're giving poor Tommy Tuberville a hard time about the gee whiz. He he says, I hate racism. It's terrible. I don't like racism. And then they say he's racist. I mean, he's saying it mid, mid, like right in the middle, even before he got there, he said, can we hear Tommy one more time? It's kind of funny. I mean, uh, this is Tommy uh, with, uh, you like Caitlin Collins? You like CNN? No, you don't. Tell me you don't, right? It's boring. Uh, yeah, all those cable news networks are usually pretty challenging to watch. What do you watch at night? Uh, sports, pretty often. You know, right now, I don't actually have the Mets because the whole network thing, they're not on YouTube TV. But, um, yeah, I mean, I try to get away from news usually at night. And the Mets stink, right? They do, yeah. And so do the Yankees. They stink less. They stink less. All yeah. right, so let's go with, uh, I, you know, I, look, I used to cry when they lost. I used to cry when the Yankees lost. I don't care anymore. Too much money, too expensive, and uh, you, b- both those teams did not need a new ballpark. I resent the hell out of that, quite frankly. I wanted to go to the old. And it's, it's Half the fun was going and seeing, like, wow, that's where Babe Ruth Stood. I, I mean, as a, as a non-Yankee fan, I actually agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, or, or take uh, Dave Kingman. That was the place. This was the place where I came in 1974 with my dad to see Dave Kingman. And now it's like I don't know what this place is or who who these people are. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just that. It was that. Uh, anyway, are we ready with the Tommy? All right, Tommy Tuberville. Keep going. Conservatives, Democrats, whoever wants to be in the dem- uh, the, the military to fight for this country to protect this country. That's what it's all about. But just. Just to be clear, you agree that white nationalists should not be serving in the U.S. military. Is that what you're saying? If if people think that a white nationalist is a racist, I agree with that. I agree <laughs> they white should. Nationalist. <laughs> all right. I think at that point you move on. All right. He just said it right there. Anyway. All right. But it's America. Everybody wants to go viral or do something stupid. Thank you very much, James. We'll Thank be right you, back.
traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I am the symbol of black manhood in this city, in this country, and what it represents. I'm the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe. And people need to recognize that. Wow. Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Emperor. Yes, uh, Your Highness. What a maniac. What a total and complete maniac and fool. I told you guys about it. I did. You know, the thing is, he goes around, oh, it's 8 million people live in this city. 8 million people, remember, remember, just 200,000 people voted for him in June of 2021 on the last day of school, on the very last day of school. That's when they had primary day. Why? Uh, because they didn't want you turning out, okay? And that's what they got. That's a, they talk about democracy. Yeah, that's not democratic, okay? They want to minimize voter participation, not maximize it. Hey, you know who Jonah Hill is? The actor, used to be fat, now he's skinny. What has he been in? Um, Wolf of Wall Street. He was great in that. Uh, he, <laughs> he was texting his girlfriend all kinds of stuff. That girlfriend is now an ex-girlfriend, and the ex-girlfriend is, like, showing the world what he texted. Like, look at what a maniac he is. I'm looking at the text, and he's not a maniac. He's right. He's absolutely right. I'll have them when we come back. Jonah Hill, hang in there. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow. I mean, the whole damn kind of- there's a lot of people, not the whole country, but a lot of people going through the text messages of uh, of Jonah Hill and his girlfriend. It's the most trivial thing in the world, but it's kind of catching on, and people are talking about it and giving Jonah Hill a hard time. Why? What's he charged with? No crime, but being emotionally abusive. Well, I'm looking at all the text messages, and I'm pretty sure it's the girlfriend who's being emotionally abusive to him, to Jonah Hill. Um, now, she is a Instagram nut job, right? One of these uh, people on Instagram just always taking those dopey pictures and look at me. And you know what else she does, which makes me suspicious? She's a surfer. And I am a little bit suspicious of female surfers. I think there's better things to do. Okay. Yes. For women, especially. Uh, this has got, this got uh, Jonah Hill upset. I'm sorry it did because most of the surfers are guys. And she's going out there into the cold water every day with these dudes and taking pictures of it. And she's like, look, uh, you know, this is not how I roll. You may not be the partner for me. I can't believe that <laughs> he's going through this stuff. But um, it's out there for public consumption. And I think he's totally right. He didn't do anything wrong. The poor guy. We shouldn't be looking through his text messages, but they're already out there. And uh, you tell me if this sounds... If this sounds horrible, let's see. He says, oh, sorry, lost that one. Um, she's not that good looking. Oh, by the way, sorry. But, you know, he's a movie star and he is, well, he's a little bit chubby. Oh, he was chubby. He's not, he's not chubby anymore. 
and he's friends with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and, you know, he's a movie star. Okay, here he goes. And she says, F it. F it. I'm putting it all out there. And here's the big smoking gun text from Jonah Hill to her his girlfriend, Sarah Brady. From Jonah. Plain and simple. If you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, if you need to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of of happiness, I support it. And there will be no hard feelings. There are These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. My boundaries with you, based on the ways these actions have hurt our trust. That sounds like the most gentlemanly thing I've ever read. He, he doesn't want his girlfriend surfing with men. I wouldn't want that either. Boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men. Quite frankly, modeling. He doesn't want her to model. Um, she's not the modeling type, so I don't think that's really an issue. Posting pictures of yourself in a bathing suit. Hey, he's not saying you can't do it. He's just saying, if you want to be with me, you can't do it. I don't know anybody who does that on the Instagram, right? By the way, there's a pretty cool picture of me on Instagram. Um, whenever I get a good picture of me, uh, I post it. And this one's with my daughter. She looks good, too, but I'm totally buff in this picture. It's an optical illusion. Let's see here. What else? Uh. I mean, wow, poor guy. And it's all out there for the world to see. But the beautiful thing is, he's coming out on top. And you know who's sticking up for him? Conservatives. I just saw something from Candace Owens. She got the same idea I did. She read it. She's like, what's wrong with this? This is exactly what you want in a relationship. Upfront, honesty, parameters. You know? <laughs> and by the way, they're not, they're just dating, all right? It's not like they're married and... Anyway, all right. Hello, Sandra. Welcome back. Greg, thank you very much for taking my calls as often as you do. I just want you to know that. Um, I was going to talk about um, the uh, college that you brought up this morning, but I'll bring, you know, the the, uh, submarine that everyone perished in, this um, expert engineer diver said that, they all died. They knew 71 seconds at the end that they knew this was going to happen. I don't know why I'm bringing it up, but I am. But uh, that, that's I love it. You call, you see random things in the paper and you call the radio station to let us all know. I saw that article this morning myself. It was very sad. I know. And then, you know, another thing that I wanted to share. Okay. Animals are being given up because they can't, people can't afford to take care of them anymore. And I could thank well, the Biden administration for this because, you know. Wait, 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 wait. Who's giving up their animals? I mean, look, people give up animals. It's a horrible thing. It's always happened. It always will happen. I don't understand how it could happen. You always see that, you know, a box of kittens left on the side of the road. I mean, the, the, that's terrible whenever it happens. I'm not going to blame Joe Biden for that. All right. There are a lot of reasons to not like Joe Biden, but the fact that there are stray cats and dogs, Although I never really see stray cats and dogs myself. Occasionally, once in a blue moon, I'll see a stray cat. But I haven't seen a stray dog since the 1970s. And uh, I know they're out there somewhere, primarily in other countries. I mean, America. We 
we love our animals. I mean, we love them. We give more, we give more money to pets than we do to foster children. Did you know that? Spend more money on dogs and cats and goldfish than foster children. Thank you, Sandra, very much. That's terrible. You know, a guy, Terrence Williams, he's a foster child. You know, ever see this kid? He's amazing on social media. Terrence J. Williams. He's got the, um, uh, the flapjack, uh, Company Cousin T's pancakes, totally fluffy and delicious. But he grew up in foster care, and that's tough. You go bounce around family to family; it's kind of strange. And but there's a lot of love there too. There can be, and I know we've all heard the nightmare stories, but there can be some amazing things that happen. Uh, Nick in New Jersey somewhere. Hi, Nick. Hello. Yeah, you don't sound like Nick. Is it me, Mickey? Okay. Now you sound like a Nikki. What's up? Hi. Hey, Greg. I have to get my notes because did you see, you know, remember the um, New Jersey gym owner, Ian Smith, the Atlas gym that he got like shut down during COVID? I remember that. I had him on the show a couple of times. What about it? He had an awesome Instagram post today and it was talking about Western men and all the uh, weak, weak weakness that they're putting upon uh, these guys. He said, our God is attacked and mocked as his value system dismantled while Satan is praised, worshipped, and given the keys to our hearts. All right, we'll look for uh, it on Instagram. He's a great guy. I like him. All right, all right, I'll, I'll look for it. I'm sure he was a hit. Anything else going on? Yes, one more thing. I've been wanting to ask you this this, or or even to, um, to Mayor Giuliani, if you ever knew this. Do you remember when they gave out all those white envelopes at the, uh, George Bush Sr., his uh, funeral or uh, his wake? I forget what they call that. Um, when he's in the Capitol building and everybody visits, but they're all there. It's the Clintons, it's the Obamas. Yeah, it's so the, I remember. Yeah. Does anybody know what that was? Everybody got one, but except for President Trump and and uh, the First Lady Melania. Oh, the envelopes. I, I don't remember. I don't remember anything about the envelopes. I don't remember anything about the. I'll take a look at that. I remember the funeral. I played something from. Um, here's George, here, speaking of George H. W. Bush. There was a whole big hellabaloo. I. I played this yesterday, but I think it's pretty interesting. You know, they still haven't figured out the cocaine in the White House, um, and they're starting to downplay it now. Everyone's saying in the media, no, move along, it's not important. Well, when George H.W. Bush held up crack cocaine in the Oval Office, and he did, uh, all hell broke loose. Cut 28, please, cut 28. Tonight I'll tell you how many Americans are using illegal drugs. I will present to you our national strategy to deal with every aspect of this threat. And I will ask you to get involved in what promises to be a very difficult fight. This, this is crack cocaine seized a few days ago by drug enforcement agents in a park just across the street from the White House. It could easily have been heroin or PCP. It's as innocent looking as candy, but it's turning our cities into battle zones. And it's murdering our children. Well, his heart was in the right place. Uh, and he showed the crack in the Oval Office and everybody got incredibly upset. And then they try to say the whole thing was a, uh, was a fraud. They, the whole drug deal itself. And it was front page news. And it became a major, major story for like three weeks. And it's interesting. Here he is, President of the United States. It's sealed in a bag. It says evidence on it. It's obviously not for his personal consumption. And that was actually a bigger story than the cocaine found in the West Wing. Isn't that something, Nikki? 
It's ridiculous. It's Mickey like mouse, but that's okay. I don't mind you saying that. One last thing, Greg. I think on your uh, your book, the, your cover picture is gorgeous. You're a handsome man, and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Mickey. Sorry about that. Uh, I love that picture so much. You may notice if you look closely that my sleeves are a little bit too long, and uh, I'll tell you the reason for that. I just bought the jacket an hour earlier. I needed a new jacket for the photo shoot. And uh, the guy's like, I need to hem this. I said, I got, I got, I got to take it right now. I need it. I need it for this picture thing. So, uh, and it's, it's the only thing I notice in that picture. Otherwise, it's a great picture. You're right. Thank you very much. Um, here's something that I like. Colin Powell at one point was the well Secretary of State. You know that, but before that, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and before he became the Republican famous for voting for Democrats. He was actually a very reasonable man. Cut 21. We are the best force in the world. And to be the best requires subjugating individual rights to the benefit of the group and the benefit of the team. Homosexuals over history who have been willing to keep their orientation private have been successful members of those teams. Congress and the courts have consistently upheld the unique circumstances of military service. And I believe the American people understand these unique circumstances and support them as well. You're damn right we did, General Powell. But then the whole world went nuts. And now we have uh, <laughs> this uh, individual cavorting, literally cavorting, a social media ambassador for the United States Navy, Seaman Daniels, cut 22. What's your drink of choice? In the groaning. I was going to say, I now, you can't see what I see, but I see first he's in uniform and then he's in drag. And this is promoted by the United States Navy. This is promoted by the United States Navy. We are going to lose the next war, which is look, we lost the last war. We lost the war before that. We lost Vietnam. I mean, it kind of stands to re- we are on a losing streak. And that's the whole thing. I was I've been pushing this. The military is in huge trouble. Forget all the gender mania for a moment, which is terrible. Um, the the military has been losing its way for a long time. And I don't know. I can't put my finger. I don't know how it started. But the yes man mentality and telling the boss what the boss, what you think the boss wants to hear. Here's a great example of that. This is 2013. General Mark Mutiny Milley. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. This is 10 years ago. He was like a lowly, uh, what was he back then? A two-star general. And he's in Afghanistan. And anybody who's been in Afghanistan and been there and in, the, in any capacity and encountered any of the Afghani troops knew that they were not ready, not, by, not in a million years. And um, But they lied about it. And here he is lying his ass off because you know how quickly they folded. How long did it take? 20 minutes. 20 minutes and they gave up and they ran. But here's Mark Milley telling um, the bosses what they wanted to hear. Cut 23. If you flash forward to today, uh, you've got a significantly, and in my opinion, much more positive situation uh, on your hand. Uh, first of all, with the security forces, this army is capable. Uh, so they've gone from zero to 350,000 uh, in, in a relatively short amount of time. And they are capable uh, at the tactical level every day, day in and day out, and they're proving it over and over and over again uh, in this summer's fighting season, the first summer that they've really and legitimately uh, been in the lead. All that kind of all that crap, 
all that crap. It was just, it was just spin. And we heard it in 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, right up until we lost, right up until they ran away, right up until those 13 Marines and soldiers were killed in that bomb blast at that airfield in Kabul, Afghanistan, right up, right, right up until the very end. They were lying to us, lying, lying. I hate that. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And in here we have America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani again. Mr. Mayor, thank you. How are you? I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm good. And you know what? I thought about you when I heard uh, Eric Adams <laughs> playing the race card and uh, just being an overall lunatic. I mean, you went into government service. It was truly service. I feel like I want just listen to this for a moment, okay? It's cut three, Eric Adams at the Christian Cultural Center. Cut three. I am the symbol of black manhood in this city, in this country, and what it represents. I'm the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe. And people need to recognize that. Uh you were the mayor of the most <sighs> powerful city on the globe. Uh I never heard you talk like that. <laughs> you never had to go around yelling about may, it. May, may, I, may I say most humbly, and I'm not a doctor, there's something wrong with him. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean that seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mean that as a political thing. Since he started with that talk to God thing, he's been off the wall. It's narcissistic. Yeah, but, but like like in a um, outgoing, in, in a acting out kind of way, I think is a psychological term. He has no, yeah, interesting, he has no check. There's nobody to keep him in line, it seems like. He thinks See, he's. See, if I did that, I don't think I would have. Yeah. So somebody like uh, Roger Ailes, who was my first political consultant, then David Garth or Ray Harding, or they would have said to me, Mayor, you, come on, we've got we to gotta check this a little bit, you know? People are going to get scared you start talking like that. Yeah. Every once in a while you, you say something. Or you, you need some people who are your peers, hopefully even older than you, that can contain you a little. And uh, – Th- th- that kind of job can go to your head if you're not a balanced person. It's going to his head. He thinks he's a hell of a lot more important than he is. That's the thing, you know. I thought that's scary. Mayors, I mean, mayors come and go. I mean, we've had mayors like. I, I, does anybody remember Abe Beam? I mean, <laughs> no, you know, nobody could see him. <laughs> he, he seems he seems to think that you know being mayor is tantamount to being emperor. And then you see the lack of ability and intelligence. Listen to this. Cut uh, six. You are watching eighty-one. Thousand people coming to this city and not like other cities, they're not sleeping on the streets with no help on the federal level. You are watching an incompetent person turning a competent place in a city to live in. This is what we need to recognize. Uh, you ever hear the term high on your own supply? But I mean, this is, uh, this is out of, out of space. Huh? We don't even know who these people are. I mean, they're having to hire like, all sorts of security guards who don't want to take the job because these people are so violent. Oh, but these people, yeah, that part. But uh, that part aside for a moment, I mean, he just—I mean, that—that that was gibberish. I, yeah. I'm a—I'm an incompetent man, and I'm turning this competence. It just makes, yeah, yeah. You know, he's really yeah, yeah. lost it. Well, all right. Uh, anything we should know about uh, Donald Trump? I feel like it, I had a nice conversation with him today. I'm glad you asked. No we, kidding. We, had, we just had a. Uh, he wanted to talk to me about his his incredible golf game with Andrew. Remember I told you that he had six birdies uh, when he played with Andrew? Yeah. He told me that Andrew had eight birdies, <laughs> and they beat two professional golfers by 13 strokes. Wow. <laughs> I said, you guys are going to go on the tour. You're not going to run for president. What else is he uh, thinking about? Uh, he likes he, 
you know, I, I, I actually put it to him. Um, I said, you know, all we talk about is how you, how do you do this? Like I, I tell everybody the story about your, your six uh, bir- birdies. How do you get six birdies when everybody wants to indict you? He says, I don't know. I think because I have to uh, f- function, I just turn it into a positive. I try to turn it into a positive. Well, it was- I'm, I'm doing it for the country. I feel I feel good about myself. I feel, I internally feel good about myself. Sometimes you're just going along in life and you're just doing good things and average things and you're making some mistakes. When you have a purpose like this, it can exhilarate you. He said it can really it can really make you feel like your life is worthwhile, even though it's very tough. Interesting. I thought that was really brilliant. Very brilliant. And uh, it seems to have had the opposite effect. These indictments that the left wanted. He is bigger, better, stronger than ever before. The polls, the fundraising, and what you just said is attitude. And I saw over the past couple of days, they're like they're coming to terms with it. Their trap did not work. Their stunt did not work. These indictments blew up in their own face yeah you know it, 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 you would think by now they'd realize when they do this to him and they accuse him as an innocent man of these things all it does is just create like a a sense of purpose and a sense that he can convey to other people and the stuff doesn't pass the the, the smell test even for even for partisans it doesn't pass the smell test the ones they're looking at now are ridiculous the fake electors they weren't fake doesn't think about them. They were alternate electors. No one made believe they were the real electors. What do you make of Mike Pence at this point? I think he's a very confused guy. You know, deep down in his heart, I think he knows he's the guy that abandoned the ship. <laughs> he knows I didn't have the... Well, my thing is this. Look, you could debate whether or not he had that authority. You can. It's debatable whether he had an, the authority to send those votes back. I, I mean, I... No, no. It I, is debatable, which is why he should have done it. Right. So it's debatable, but he knew ahead of time that he wasn't going to do it. And he could have, he could have said that. He could have said it out loud and he didn't. He wanted to play footsie or I don't know what that, it was political on his part and nobody would have showed up. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So he kind of blew it and I don't think he's I like him. I feel sorry for him, but you know, he made his, he made his bed. He's got to lie in it. Well, Mr. Mayor, enjoy the show. I'll be listening. You were great last night, by the way. One of your best shows. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, To be continued, everybody. And I'll talk tomorrow with you all.